Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast. And thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, we'll meet Dr. Jared Friedman, who is part of the Dermatology of Philadelphia practice. Dr. Friedman will be discussing the dangers of sun exposure for professional drivers and the fact that drivers are more prone to sun damage on the left side because of the driver's side window. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now let's hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with dermatologist Dr. Jared Friedman. Oh, the gear jammer with the one arm tan. That's who we're talking about this morning with Dr. Jared Friedman. Doc, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good to be with you. Yeah, that's a great song by Dale Watson. And the one arm tan, it's sort of like a real legendary point about truck drivers through the decades. And of course, even with windows rolled up with some tinting on them now, it's still a problem. But you told me something that I didn't know. I mean, I knew that there were brochures about every type of medicine and procedures. So you guys in the dermatology world have brochures and you're showing all kinds of people. All kinds of truck drivers are in your brochures. I did not know that. Yeah, even in our medical literature, there's like a famous case report of a truck driver in the New England Journal of Medicine. It was published a few years ago in 2012, I guess a decade now. And it kind of just shows how having a job where you're kind of always more exposed on one side, you end up with a lot more sun damage on the one side. And it's a really striking image. You can Google it. It's under the title unilateral dermatoheliosis if you're interested in seeing the image, but it can be really be striking. But even in this country, we see more skin cancers on the left side than we do on the right side just because of driving, not just amongst truck drivers, but because everybody's driving a lot of miles these days and with traffic so bad and everything. In countries where they drive on the other side, they have the reverse problem. <laughs> they end up with more skin cancers on the other side. In Australia, the bottoms of their feet get burned. <laughs> yeah, they're the major problem with skin cancer down there, absolutely. You can understand that. And, of course, the one-arm tan goes back to, like, to the 40s and 50s when there was no air conditioning. We all had that left arm out if you were old enough back in those days to drive. But with air conditioning and the windows up, you wouldn't think it would still be that much. So we're talking now about what kind of rays are hitting the body. And there are two, if I'm not mistaken, A and B. Is one good, one bad? So, yeah, so the types of UV rays, there's a spectrum of UV radiation that comes from the sun. We loosely divide it into A and B. C gets completely removed by the ozone layer, so that doesn't really strike down here. So you're dealing with A and B. B is the stuff that really is more higher energy and more damaging, so that's going to cause most of your sunburns. Now, UVA has less energy, but there's a lot more of it in solar radiation that gets through. So you end up getting a lot of sun damage from UVA, but that damage can be a little more insidious and kind of more just accumulating over time. And that's part of the problem with relying on just windows to protect yourself against skin cancer is the windows do filter out UV. A lot of the kind of like older windows, though, we're really only filtering out UVB, which helps prevent sunburn but it does not prevent all the sun damage because the UVA is still largely getting through and creating that like cumulative sun damage that builds up and leads to a lot of skin cancers. Interesting. So in a sense, boy, I don't want to just go off of this cliff, Dr. Friedman, but you get a sunburn once or twice in your life and it's really bad. 
We used to pour vinegar on ourselves in the shower. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a one-and-done kind of a thing, but that's the UVB. But the UVA, you just don't really even notice what's happening until it's kind of too late. And now you got something right here on your neck, right? Yeah, exactly. And that was a big issue with realizing that we needed UVA protection. There was some early studies where people were afraid because our sunscreens were really good initially. We made sunscreens that were good at protecting you against UVB, but we were not so good at developing sunscreens that could really protect against the UVA. So a lot of sunscreens were just maybe allowing people to stay out longer and get more UVA, but prevent them from getting sunburned, which just enabled them to get lots and lots of UVA. Now, luckily, since 2012, we've had some change in the regulations around sunscreens from the FDA, and now sunscreens are kind of required to provide broad-spectrum coverage, it's called, where the sunscreens have to protect you against both UVA and UVB. And that's probably made a big difference about sunscreens now being better agents at actually protecting us from skin cancer and other complications from getting too much sun over time. Got it. Thank you for that. That's a great look behind the curtain, so to speak. We have a caller, Dr. Friedman, top dog. He's in Alabama. He has skin cancer and would like to talk to you just for a moment. Hey, top dog, good morning. Thanks for being with us. And you're on with Dr. Friedman. Thanks. I had a major, I don't know what it was on my jaw, on my skin, where my left jaw was. So I went down to the dermatologist, made an appointment, and come to find out I had a real bad case of skin cancer. I had some on my left side of my neck, so yeah, everybody on your left side gets burnt. So he gave me this cream. It's kind of like a chemo cream. I end up putting it all over my face, and he's like, you ain't going to like the effects of it. Boy, I tell you, it ripped my face apart, but you know what? I only got just a little spot on my neck I'm treating right now, but everything else is gone. Wow, that's great. Yeah, we have a lot of what we call field treatments to get rid of precancerous lesions, and some of them can actually be used to treat superficial skin cancers as well. So these include medicines like 5-fluorouracil, which comes in a cream. We also use other medicine. That one is a topical chemotherapy, so it kills cells that are dividing too rapidly. That's what cancers do. The cells divide too rapidly. We have other agents like amiquimod, where that one actually revs up the immune system and will have it attack certain cancerous or precancerous cells that can work for certain skin cancers as well. And there's a host of other kind of newer agents that have come out more recently. We even have a treatment called photodynamic therapy where we apply a medicine and then we actually use uh, red or blue light to activate it and help kill precancerous and cancerous cells. Sometimes we can treat superficial skin cancers and avoid surgery, but we can also help just reduce the number of skin cancers that you get in an area by using these what we call field treatments. Yeah, being a ginger, I was too stubborn to cover my skin, and I'm 53, so I took a beating, and now I paid the price, but live and learn, so now I watch what I do now. Yeah, that's a good idea. If you have red hair, usually that means you make a lot of pheomelanin, the kind of browner pigments that people make that cause, like, darker hair. That's called eumelanin. Eumelanin is very effective at preventing UV radiation from getting through pheomelanin a lot less so, and there's even some studies that show that that type of melanin can actually increase sun damage, how much the sun will damage your DNA. 
So for people with red hair, it is just very essential to wear sunscreen. In the U.S. here, everybody thinks, oh, I don't live too far south. But even if you're, say, living in where I live in Philadelphia, we're at the same latitude as southern Spain. So if you're thinking that your skin can handle this type of sun, no, it really can't. Top dog, thank you so much for the calm and the conversation. And you said live and learn, and you're absolutely right. You took some action. Your doctor got on it. You're living, and because of that, we are learning. So I can't thank you enough for making that call. Dr. Friedman, we're going to take a real quick break here. But listening to you and then listening to your conversation with Top Dog, I've got four questions that I just want to circle back to when we come back. So I'm going to shoot them to you right now. <laughs> Number one, you mentioned the UVC rays and the ozone layer. I want to see if you guys in dermatology kind of keep up with the ozone to see if it's still doing what it's supposed to do. Well, there was a scare about that years ago. And we're talking about left side here and right side over in England in terms of driving. But what about all of the sunroofs and they call them moonroofs now? They're pretty tinted. But again, is that a factor in cars? Is the sun the only source of skin cancer? And sunscreens, how much wiggle room is there in those expiration dates? So Dr. Jared Friedman is with us and we'll be right back on Highway to Health. You're listening to the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now, folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to The Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on The Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of The Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And back to Highway to Health. Dr. Jared Friedman is with us from Dermatology of Philadelphia. Dr. Friedman, good morning again. Good morning. Good to be here with you. Well, I hope I didn't shoot those out too fast, but you were talking, I was scribbling, and I thought, I want to kind of circle back to a couple of things here. And we got the A and B. Thank you for that. I have a much better understanding of the insidiousness, as you mentioned, of UVA. But what about UVC? That's where the ozone layer plays in. And, of course, we've been punching holes in that thing. You guys kind of keep up with that? Is that a concern in your world at this moment? Yeah, so... Back in the 80s, and I think it was the ladies, the Montreal Protocol came out and banned CFCs, chlorofluorocarbons. They were these chemicals that were used as refrigerants, and those were what was causing the destruction of the ozone layer, especially at the poles, especially over Antarctica mostly. Now, those chemicals were one of the most successful kind of environmental regulations international environmental regulations in our lifetime because it ended up banning those chemicals from being used and it actually worked. The ozone hole stopped growing. It has now been shrinking every year. Now, luckily, that hole in the ozone is over an area that there's not many people. It's good that we stopped it when it did. 
So, yeah, UVC exposure, really the atmosphere is going to block most of that out. But the ozone is also responsible for eliminating a lot of that UVB, which does make it through. So, yes, it blocks a lot of it, but there is a lot of UVB. So if we had continued to destroy that ozone layer, who knows what could have happened. And it would have hit some areas that are already struggling with very high rates of skin cancer first, like New Zealand and Australia. Understood. Just yeah. made me realize you can point to that, the success of that story with the CFCs and closing the healing, the ozone is healing, to the fact that, yes, we can do something about climate change if we just do it. We've already done something exceedingly significant about climate change when it comes to the ozone layer. So enough said on that. But what sure. about sunroofs? Are sunroofs a thing now, Dan? I never thought about that before until this morning. Right. I mean, yeah, theoretically, the more light that gets through, the worse. Now, a lot of the regulations about how much UV you can get through parts of the car was kind of focused on the windshield. And a lot of like the side glass, they didn't have those protective UV films. Nowadays, I think most of these windows do have a better coverage, but never 100%. So I routinely just recommend daily sunscreen for really everybody just to help reduce that cumulative load of UV rays because that will increase the risk of skin cancer. It's all just about cumulative sun damage and the more sun rays you can block out, the better. Even in the wintertime, that kind of total cumulative exposure builds up. Now, is it more important to wear sunscreen when you're out in the middle of the summer on the beach for the whole day? Yeah, that's going to pay more dividends. But keeping a tube of sunscreen next to your toothbrush and just getting in the daily habit, it'll pay you dividends over time. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, the other question I had is, that's all we ever talk about when it comes to skin cancer. We have all kinds of organs, the skin being the largest, but it's still just an organ, so to speak, and multiple things can attack our organs. Is the sun the only source of skin cancer? No. So skin cancer development is very multifactorial. Now, most skin cancers, the biggest risk factor for development of that skin cancer is UV radiation. However, there are some skin cancers that are in areas that don't really receive any UV radiation, and they can be due to other risk factors can contribute to those. One of the big ones is human papillomavirus, HPV, which contributes to a lot of skin cancers, especially in areas like the genitals because those are a sexually transmitted disease. And we do actually have a vaccine now that can help protect you against that infection and help reduce the risk of not just cervical cancer, but can reduce the risk of skin cancer on the genitals as well. Other skin cancers can just have more genetic risk factors. There are some people with certain genetic predispositions. And then there are other toxins that can lead to skin cancers. For instance, like arsenic is a famous one. People that had arsenic in the soil that they were in and exposed themselves, it can increase the risk of certain skin cancers as well. So there's other factors, but for the vast majority of skin cancers, kind of sun is the biggest factor. So if you're looking for something that you can do to reduce your risk of skin cancer that has the biggest bang for the buck, it is wearing sunscreen and avoiding too much sun exposure. Now I have two more questions, but I can only ask one because we're almost out of time. So you're going to have to come back for the other one, Dr. Friedman. Yeah, but sure. <laughs> let's uh, talk about that sunscreen. Yeah. You hear so many folks, and we talked about this in the news break. Oh, yeah, well, don't worry about those expiration dates. That milk will be okay. Don't worry about that smell. Yeah, that medicine, yeah, that medicine's always good. What about that? They all have expiration dates. How serious are those dates? 
Yeah, so for sunscreens, especially for those chemical blockers, so we kind of divide sunscreens into your mineral blockers and then your chemical, or some people would call them organic blockers. So those chemical blockers, those are pretty like labile. They will decompose. Those chemicals are not that stable especially even in sun. That's why you have to reapply every two hours. But so <laughs> irony of ironies, huh? <laughs> yeah. For sunscreens, I would respect that expiration date, especially for ones that have the chemical blockers. So those would be chemicals like avobenzone, oxybenzone, a cancel. The ones that have zinc oxide or titanium dioxide, those are less likely to have issues with the expiration. So maybe you could get away with it. But of course, it's the unknown. The expiration dates are there because that's when the company was like required to test too. They're not required to test past it. So you never know what's in that thing after that expiration date. Well, there is one expiration date we must obey, and that's the one we just bumped up against right here. Dr. Friedman, I can't thank you enough. That was a fascinating discussion. I hope you enjoyed it, and thanks for starting your day with yeah, us. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. We should do it again sometime. I hope we will, because I got that other question for you. <laughs> Dr. Jared Friedman, everybody. Dermatology of Philadelphia. Dermofphilly.com. That closes out this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo, and let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway to Health Podcast through our website, or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.